Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. Today's featured Actus solution is the 2020 Actus conference, which will take place May 5th through 8th at the Mirage Hotel in Las Vegas. With six educational tracks running concurrently, inspirational keynotes, unparalleled networking, you really don't want to miss our lucky 13th event. Um, as a note, if you register by March 27th, you'll get the early bird discount rate, $100 off. So don't hesitate. The Actus podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today, Wednesday, February 26th, marks our 144th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, What You Need to Know About Mortality Risk Adjustment. Today's show is sponsored by 3M Health Information Systems, which you can see on your screen there. 3M Health Information Systems, now with M-Modal, delivers innovative software and consulting services designed for a wide range of healthcare environments. From closing the loop between clinical care and revenue integrity to computer-assisted coding, clinical documentation integrity, and performance monitoring, 3M can help you reduce cost and provide more informed care. So this is part one of a three-part series on quality supported by 3M. All right, so I'm joined today by my co-host at left, Don Valdez. Um, you might recognize Don from being a former guest on the show a couple times. Today is her first actual stint as a co-host because she's now joined us full time as a CDI educational instructor uh, for our parent company, HC Pro in Middleton, Mass. Um, Dawn, again, is a full-time instructor for our boot camps and a subject matter expert. She has more than 20 years experience in the healthcare industry, including ICU nursing, legal nurse consulting, and she was a nurse manager for a large third-party administrator for which she initiated a nurse audit program. Um, I'm thrilled to have her again as her first co-host stint, so welcome uh, back to the program, Dawn. Thank you, Brian. All right. And next, I'd like to introduce today's special guest. We have with us uh, today Gina DeCroco. Uh, Gina is the Director of Coding and Quality Review and Education for Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Gina is a seasoned revenue cycle professional with more than 25 years of combined clinical and revenue cycle experience, which ranges from community hospitals all the way up to academic medical centers. She currently oversees the quality and education department for coding, ensuring that inpatient and outpatient coding teams are performing at the highest quality. She directs coding audits and coder educational programs, in addition to overseeing the Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center's Coder Academy. Uh, she has extensive experience providing direct education to middle revenue cycle teams and process improvement teams. And as we're gonna get into a little bit on today's show, she works closely with clinical documentation peers for adverse event reporting, as well as risk adjustment capture. So I wanna welcome you to the program, Gina. Thanks, Brian, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and you probably are all seeing on your screen, um, we have another bio uh, from uh, Gina's colleague, Vicki, who was due to be on today's program, 
could not due to a, a family medical uh, issue. She's fine, but um, I'm including her bio and her headshot here because she is going to be co-presenting with Gina on today's topic at our 2020 conference in May. So I certainly wanted to give her credit. And if you are planning on attending the ACTUS conference in May, which I hope you are, you'll be seeing both of them um, at the show. So as always, I'm going to start by asking our audience to weigh in on a poll question related to today's topic. Let me go ahead and open that up. Okay, so today we're asking you, how much of a focus is risk adjustment on you or your staff's day-to-day -day CDI reviews? Would you say it's your principal focus? Would you describe risk adjustment as a strong but secondary focus? Uh, maybe it's minimal to not a focus. Perhaps you don't know. Maybe it's something that's going on in the background. Um, or other. And I, as I always say, please leave your comments. Would always, I'm always looking to hear from you during the show. I will review your comments during the show and, and try to work them in. Um, so again, we're asking how much of a focus is risk adjustment on you and or your staff's day-to-day -day CDI reviews? Is it your principal focus, uh, strong but maybe secondary focus, minimal, don't know, or other. All right, I'm seeing about 75% of our audience has voted, so I'm going to go ahead and close this out. And then, as we always do, we will be coming back to this uh, later in the program. All right, great. As I mentioned, uh, Gina is our special guest today. Gina DeCroco. Gina, welcome to the show, and thanks for being a part of the ACTS podcast. Um, so, Gina, you're going to be presenting again uh, at the conference Wednesday, May 6th, in our quality regulatory track. I have you down as uh, 3.30 to 4.30. Um, but I thought before we get into sort of what you might be covering in your presentation, could you just start with a overview of the uh, the CDI and maybe the, the coding program as well at Wake Forest? Uh, your focus on risk adjustment and, and sort of how that has evolved might be helpful for some context for our listeners here. Sure. Um, so I'm really missing Vicky right now to talk about the CDI program, but I can I can give you a high level um, breakdown. Sure. Their 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 program is very robust. Um, been in existence for many many years. And um, they, I think they've got about 25 CDI staff who um, cover our inpatients. Um, we also have an outpatient CDI program as well that's that's growing. But um, they, they review, um, they are payer agnostic, so they're reviewing any every case that they can get their hands on. Um, they do a fabulous job of communicating and educating with our providers uh, to make sure that we're getting the documentation that we need to reflect the um, the care we're providing. Um, in terms of our, our our coding program, we've um, our coding program. I've been here for almost five years. Wow, <laughs> that goes by fast. <laughs> um, but um, we are we have probably tripled the size of our coding staff in that time. 
Um, we used to rely heavily on outsourced coding, and now we are very much in-sourced. In wow, okay. So in that time frame, we've spent a lot of time educating our coders um, so that they can have good conversations with their CDI counterparts on clinical indicators and risk adjusters and, you know, what are these things and how do we incorporate them and focus on them as we code for our DRGs as well. That's great. Just a quick follow-up, actually, Gina, um, if you don't mind, the because we're hearing more about outsourcing, and you guys have gone the opposite way and, and brought that back in-house. Any any reason behind that, or just a decision you you, you just wanted to make for quality purposes, or? Um, I think it was multifactorial for sure, um, but we had kind of when when my associate vice president got, got here, she had a, a, a vision to create a coder academy. And um, we did that, and by and with, with doing that, we were able to show a tremendous return on investment to train our own coders to replace those outsourced coders. Um, and it's really been a fabulous program. We haven't, we didn't require any of those folks to sign contracts, and we haven't lost any yet. Oh, um, so it's it's been a really good investment in our staff. Excellent. Right. Um, Gina, can you talk about some of the diagnoses that impact the patient's risk of mortality? And then I have a little bit of a combination piece that goes with that question. Um, so the diagnoses that impact the patient's risk, the DNR status, and then if they're put on a ventilator or have CPR on the day of admission, how that's handled, the admission source, and then also what are some of the common clarifications and best practices for capturing these that you guys have found there at Wake Forest that you would recommend? Right. So you've mentioned that some of those are the, the DNR, van out admission, you know, admit source. Those are, um, they're really kind of nebulous in terms of picking up as, as folks are coding. Um, but as you know, they very much impact risk adjustments um, for mortality, um, along with some of the other heavy hitters of, you know, our usual CCMCCs um, are, you know, the malnutrition, respiratory failure, shock, the, um, and then some that aren't so much of a heavy hitter sometimes are our fluid and electrolyte disorders. Um, so there, you know, it's a, it's kind of a wide range of you know, what can impact these these factors. Um, and, you know, we've, rather than train our whole staff, and, and CDI has done the same thing, rather than train our whole staff on how to be on the lookout for these things, we've decided to really focus um, a couple of staff and get them really skilled up. And then this became their specialty. Great, great. Interesting. You know, actually, I've got a couple questions that have come through. Maybe I'll ask just work one of them in here. Uh, Gina, is what, what do you what mortality model do you use? Do you have one specifically, or is it the APR? We, yeah, we follow the. So we kind of do a hybrid here um, because we're we're two teams coming at it from two different angles. Um, our CDI team focuses on SOIROM or the APR. Um, and then our the coding auditors that work for me um, are utilizing the Visient risk adjustment model. Gotcha. Excellent. 
All right, maybe we could talk a little bit about, I know, Gina, you're obviously from an HIM coding background, uh, credentialed and risk adjustment, I see, you know, and, and Vicky's an RN. Um, so just curious about, maybe you could talk a little bit about how you guys collaborate to improve these and what, what that process looks like, because it sounds like you have some dedicated coding staff to this, and I'm sure CDI is probably reviewing some of these cases currently. So how, how does that process mesh with these two departments? Right, so it's it's taken some time and evolved um, considerably, but where we're at now is that um, every mortality case is um, stopped for review at discharge, and CDI will review it from their perspective in terms of a, see if we can get this to a four out of a four, you know, SOI, ROM, um, maxed out. And, and they'll issue any queries that they need to, and um, we'll get that information. And at the same time, or even maybe after, um, it will come to our coding auditor, and then it will be reviewed um, utilizing the this Visient Risk Adjustment Calculator. Um, so, and as we become more and more familiar with those conditions that impact risk, um, we can, you know, we can lean towards using the calculator or not, and I know I'll talk about that in a little bit more depth in a minute. Right. Appreciate that, Jane. Yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of people are curious about that calculator. Um, so one of the intriguing aspects to your presentation that I found is, you know, your plan demonstration on how you use a risk adjustment, how you use it, how do you use the calculator. Can you explain what this is to the audience and what you plan on showing to the attendees at the conference? Sure. So we're going to um, demonstrate the the model. It comes from Visient, and what our facility has done is taking the information in those spreadsheets from Visient and applied it into a Tableau um, web-based application that we can plug in, okay, this is the DRG that we're at, um, Then and then it will list for us the different conditions categorized by their um, their condition type, I, I would say, and so that we can review just that specific list that would impact that DRG. So it makes it very user-friendly for us to to say, okay, I've, I've found something in this category, I'm good, and I can move on and try, you know, try to hit the different categories. So it's not about building up as many diagnoses as you can, but it's hitting as many categories that would impact the risk. Um, and that tool really helps us um, focus that attention. Interesting, very That's interesting. Great. Thank you. So you can actually have that up on on screen, or have some screenshots, or I'll have screenshots. Yes. All right. That's going to be really interesting. I'll have to poke my head in and, and take a look at that session. Um, if you don't mind, Gina, I've got a question or two that are directly related to today's topic from the audience. We have one listener, Molly, who's asking sort of what's your best practice, if you have one, for when you, you have a four out of four SOI ROM score, but there is a query opportunity for shock. Do you, do you, do you, would you go ahead and query for that, or is it you know, you've already quote unquote maxed out that case. How do you handle those type of uh, of situations? Um, I can tell you, we definitely would query for that. And the reason being is how this kind of all evolved for us is we were getting 
information back from our coding, not our coding, our quality department. And they were reviewing accounts three, four months after discharge and saying, hey, we're finding these things that can impact the risk. And, and we're looking at it. And before we were educated, we'd say, well, but that doesn't impact the DRG, it doesn't impact SOIROM. And, and as we learned, these other conditions really have significant impact on risk adjustment. So we do go after those. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and then uh, this is sort of related, but one maybe one other before we wrap up here. You, so the uh, Karen, the, one of our listeners, writes: You stated that the CDI does a review when a patient expires, places any query needed to clarify diagnoses to help reach a four out of four. Can your coders always place a query post discharge, or is it only uh, if if a death occurs? You guys have a oh no, yes, absolutely at any time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really a lot of collaboration there. That's that's yes. great. Glad you guys have that. That's not common, again, from all CDI programs that we've heard about. We've worked really hard to get yeah. where we are. <laughs> yeah, some great stuff here. Geez, we got a lot of great questions coming on this. Maybe I'll try to maybe send a couple of you post-show, but um, a lot of folks interested in this topic. You know, maybe we could just wrap up here with a little discussion, Gina, on what else do you plan to cover uh, at Actus? You guys are doing an, an hour session. And maybe, you know, we chatted before the program. You've been to the conference a few times. Anything that um, you're excited about in general about, uh, about our conference? Well, I can just tell you that this is my preferred conference. Um, even from a coding perspective, the information that I learn at the Actus conference is um, it's just so valuable. and Oftentimes, you know, coding conferences can be very focused on the nitty-gritty of coding. And what we've learned here at Wake Forest is we have we've brought ourselves up to the level where we feel like our coding knowledge is very good. We need to expand on what we know. Um, so I really I love the conference. I think it's laid out very well. It's always well organized, um, and it's just been very valuable to me. Awesome. I didn't. That was all her. I, I didn't coach her on, on, for that before the program. I can assure you that. But but any, any, anything else you do plan to cover? Um, I know you have a full hour at the program that you know listeners today, if they want to, maybe wondering if they should attend your session, what what they might get from that. Right. We're gonna we're gonna cover a little bit about you know our actual data on and some of the changes that we've seen as we implemented this process. Um, it's actually been very, very interesting. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, so you can, you know, see the the real impact that some of this can have. Um, and we spend a fair amount of time talking about the the calculators and the models and and how to use those and not get too deep in the weeds, but be able to be efficient with that. Outstanding. Well, I'm really looking forward to it, and as well as Vicky. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, share our poll question again. So again, we asked folks, how much of a focus is risk adjustment on you or your staff's day-to-day -day CDI reviews? So only 11% described it as uh, their principal focus. However, you know, 40% said strong, albeit secondary, 31% minimal, 16% uh, don't know, 
and then uh, 2% other. I'll take a look at some of those others, but um, any any initial thoughts on these results, Gina? Anything here surprise you? Um, not really. I think I'm glad to see that there's a, a good percentage of strong but secondary focus. I think we've definitely seen the shift in the industry that we, we need to start paying attention to this for sure. Yep. Yeah, a couple of the comments were I'm currently doing outpatient CDI focused on capturing HCCs. It's a consideration daily, but not really a focus, not strong, but more than minimal focus. Um, and someone wrote, everything they do is always risk adjustment. I suppose that is true in some respects. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and uh, close this back out and... All right, move on to our ever popular in the news segment. Let me pull this, go ahead and pull this up here. All right, so in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Uh, today I wanted to discuss, and you should be seeing on your screen, uh, some news concerning new ICD-10 CM code U07.0, which is vaping-related disorder. Um, this is a article from the CMS.gov website. Uh, CMS recently announced that this code, vaping-related disorder, will group to MDC4 respiratory diseases, which will classify to event DRG if a mechanical ventilation is used with event or an OR procedure. It will group to MSDRG 205 with MCC or 206 without MCC, which is uh, your respiratory system diagnoses uh, MDC. Just a note, um, this is this is really some great news. Um, a couple folks on the regulatory committee tip tip this off to me. Uh, given that CMS could have placed this code in MDC 21, which is injuries, poisonings, and toxic effects of drugs whereby the, the ventilator would not impact that DRG. Um, this, is not a, this is not effective yet, but it is effective April 1 in the latest um, MSDRG grouper updates. Uh, I think it's the Medicare ed, uh, grouper version 37.1. So that's effective for discharges on or after April 1st, 2020. I'm gonna scroll down here a little bit so you can kind of see a little more detail about uh, this code some of the excludes, descriptions, um, and some additional links here. Though as I always do, I will provide uh, a link to this article uh, to our listeners in the show notes after the program. We have had a few other some news published uh, on actus.org about this new vaping code. Um, this here is a screenshot of the uh, U071 U07.0, excuse me, and, and some additional guidance around that. So just curious, maybe we'll start with, with Gina. Are you, you guys seeing this condition crop up during any of your chart reviews or, or have you had any uh, issues with the assignment of this, of this code? We, um, we have, we've seen it definitely. Um, I'm not aware of any issues we've had with it. Okay, pretty straightforward coding for you, Gina. I know you're, this, this is your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, as long as the providers document it well, we're good to go. Right, that's always the key. <laughs> yes. 
any thoughts here, Don? Anything to add on on this new code or the or the new grouper here? Well, I just think there's some education that needs to go out with the providers for the correct documentation because I think we're going to be seeing more and more and more as time goes on. CDC cases are rising, you know, as we speak. So this is going to be an epidemic, and from what I understand, it's largely hitting the younger males, but it's hitting them hard. In the so I think we're going to see a lot of this in the future. I'm really glad they did group it in with the ventilator DRG system, MDC-4. Right. That'll help. Yeah, great stuff. Okay. All right, I'm going to, at this point, move to our Actus update. So our Actus update is a regular feature, bringing you the latest updates on what's going on inside the association here at Actus. Um, so as I've noted, we have a lot going on at the 2020 Actus Conference, which again is May 5th through 8th in uh, Las Vegas this year. This is our, I think our fifth trip to Vegas. We, we were there in 08, 09, 2014, and 2017 is my going by memory. So popular place for us, but we're at a new resort this year, the Mirage uh, Hotel and Casino. We have a lot of sessions to highlight. We just went over one today. Uh, also wanted to talk to you a little bit today about um, a panel session, which is going to be new for us this year by a new committee called the Actus Regulatory Committee. So I was referring to them in, in reference to uh, this new vaping code. Um, and immediately following, actually, Vicki and Gina's session, we're going to be offering a plenary or all attendee session by the Actus Regulatory Committee. I'm going to actually just go ahead and show you where you can find more about the agenda as a whole of the conference. So if you go to here, uh, Events and Education, and you click on Annual Conference, um, this takes you to this page which has all the information about our program, and you can also view uh, the entirety of our Actus brochure. If you haven't taken a look at it yet, recommend you do so. Um, but essentially, this Actus Regulatory Committee panel, um, if you're tired of having to react to CMS regulatory changes and would rather be proactively commenting and shaping policy, the session's for you. I'm told that representatives of our regulatory committee, I believe four of them, um, they're going to be taking a look at the latest proposed changes from CMS as published in the 2021 IPPS proposed rule. That is due out in early April, so we're going to be cutting it close, but we're going to have this information at the conference. Um, so they're not only going to cover what's in the rule, but also uh, the official mechanisms of how CDI specialists can, can comment to CMS on the proposed rule. Uh, they're all about giving Actus more of a um, an advocacy voice. So we had some successful commentary to CMS last year on the 2020 IPPS proposed rule, which, which made it into the 2020 uh, final rule. So they're certainly planning on doing it again. But what they stress is that the more voices that CMS hears, the better. Um, certainly, we're doing our part in, as, as Actus to um, to get our comments out and to let CMS know how we feel about what's what they're proposing in the in in the rule, but the more folks they hear from, the better. And frankly, sometimes it's it's better to hear from the hospitals directly rather than kind of a third party like us. So if you do want to learn more about not only what's in the rule, but how you might 
comment and I've I've done it before it's actually a pretty easy process straightforward CMS has made it a lot easier than than, than in the past when we're all paper-based um, we're going to go over that as well finally also related to the conference uh, because we hand these out at the conference on day two we have our, our actus achievement awards are currently open so we've had them open for about three weeks we've got some uh, some good applicants in but we're still looking for applications for for awards um, if you're not familiar with the actus achievement awards i'll just briefly go over them here they're on your screen again i'll provide a link to this in our show notes but um, we have a simplified process here we're asking seven questions about the nominee and why you think uh, they're worthy of an award we're offering four awards this year uh, our CDI Professional of the Year Award, which is our highest honor uh, recognition of CDI professional achievement, um, excellence in provider engagement, which goes through someone who's, um, again, showed excellence in physician engagement, could be, a, uh, could be a physician advisor or dedicated CDI educator or the like, and then Rookie of the Year, which is an individual who has served in the CDI profession less than two years from the time of his or her nomination. So each of these awards has its own description and criteria that you can click on and take a look at. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. Um, this is a great way to r recognize um, excellence in the profession. We do have all of our prior winners here. And oh, look, we had Tamara Hicks. Gina, uh, who was our CDI Professional of the Year last year from Wake Forest, your facility. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, very deserving award. So we do list these guys uh, permanently on the website. Our CDI Professional of the Year receives free admission to the conference, and all four of our winners are invited uh, free to our um, Closing Night Awards reception. So if you know an outstanding colleague, maybe it's um, – someone in your own facility maybe it's someone you know in the broader industry uh you know uh, someone you know from your local chapter or a consultant or a speaker or maybe it's a physician in your facility uh, please go ahead and nominate them it's pretty easy and again i'll share the link to that at the end of the today's program all right well that is going to do it for today's show um, we hope to see you back here again in two weeks, we're going to be covering heart failure, mortality, and readmission metrics on next week's, excuse me, show on two weeks from today. As a reminder, you can listen to the show recordings anytime on our website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. We try to post those recordings uh, the Friday following the live show, so a couple days from now. Um, again, I want to thank 3M Health Information Systems for their support of today's show. And as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, or any questions about the conference or the like, just please send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That will do it today. Thanks again, Gina. Thanks, Dawn. And we'll see you guys back here again in two weeks. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.